Hey everybody on Podcast Land, welcome back to Be Kind Rewind. My name is Gabe. I'm Logan. I'm Kyle. And we are talking about 2004 movies that were released back in the day of 2004. Um, <laughs> gotta tell you, it was a good banner year for movies. A you good... can tell it's been a while since we recorded. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, based off of uh, my deepening voice, I've gone through um, <laughs> puberty ever since then. Again. Again. <laughs> So it's very deep now. Um, anyway, Banner Year, lots of great movie banners. Banner, yep, Bruce Banner Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Hulk reference for all you non-movie fans out there. Even though there were no Hulk movies this year. Uh, yeah, true. Um, well, a couple of the movies that came out. Uh, actually, I can't think of a single terrible movie. Um, besides maybe Resident Evil: Apocalypse or Alien vs. Predator. But can't uh, think of a single terrible movie because besides those I've, I've two. Got, like, Five or six, I can throw at you. You throw them at me. I mean, you took Alien vs. Predator already, so uh, yep. probably the worst movie that came out this year was Van Helsing. Okay, I didn't actually I, see that. I, one. I I take your Van Helsing and raise you a Blade Trinity. Ooh, fair point, but With there Ryan were some Reynolds? funny moments. That's true. I mean, I I will admit that movie cracked me up at times, and I would say it was not as bad as say King Arthur that came out this year. That's true. That had. Kira Knightley is Xena the Warrior Guinevere. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, there were some bad movies this year. I mean, there was King Arthur. There was, do you remember Hidalgo? It was like the big no, tentpole movie was supposed to be with, you know, Viggo Mortensen, you know, after Lord of the Rings fame. I All I really remember about it is he rides a horse a really long ways. and Through the know, desert. Yes, through the desert and other places. And it was bad. That's all I remember is that it was bad, and no. I really was excited because I was a big Lord of the Rings fan, big Viggo Mortensen fan, and then Hidalgo happened. And Basically, yeah. I said that there weren't any bad movies just to get this uh, conversation rolling. Um, well, look, look at you, the puppet master over yep, there. Exactly. So, psych, I you loved all, all these movies. Gabe was right. It was an amazing trick. year. You all fell for my trick. Um, a couple uh, other... Hey, well, there's a big documentary that came out this year, Super Size Me. Uh, that's where Morgan Spurlock... <laughs> big documentary. I see what you did there. Exactly. That's where Morgan Spurlock decided to eat McDonald's for a whole month. Nothing but McDonald's. And um, lo and behold, he got fat. Big whoop. Uh, I remember... Oh, spoiler alert. I remember uh, the first night that he ate nothing but McDonald's, he, he videotaped himself waking up in the middle of the night... Um, going like grabbing his chest going oh oh i feel so sick and nauseous right now i don't know like this is a terrible decision Um, and then that that point i'm like a it's been a day b like when you eat nothing but mcdonald's for an entire month and you make a point not to make and get any exercise of course it's gonna be a bad like a of course you're gonna feel terrible and it's gonna be a skewed experiment like i don't think it was fair at all against uh, like, I didn't really enjoy that. No, and I've never forgiven him for you know forcing them to take the supersize off the menu. Because yeah. come on, come, come on, on, come on, son. Sometimes you just got to supersize something, exactly. and now we don't have that option anymore. Nope. Thanks a lot, Spurlock. Yeah, boo. Another uh, comedy that came out. I think I made this uh, confession in an earlier episode. I am uh, have a soft spot for the Wayne's Brothers. White chicks came out. <laughs> I didn't crack my top ten. But I actually really enjoyed this movie for what it was. Uh, back when it first came out, I did not actually watch it because I was one of those people just like, well, it's just reverse uh, racism. Like, they're dressing up as white people and making fun of white people. But, but then years they're dressing up as girls, so it's reverse sexism. that too. But then years later, actually about four years ago at this point, I actually decided to just watch it on a whim. And I laughed my butt off. 
Um, it is. It goes for it. It doesn't hold any punches. It's a, just a dumb comedy, but it was my kind of dumb comedy. So there's that. Fair enough. Fair enough. There were uh, there were some interesting movies this year that I don't think made any of our lists, but that are probably worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, going back, do you remember the Dawn of the Dead remake? I do. Yes. Which was interesting for a couple of reasons. One, that was kind of Zack Snyder's first big thing. Yeah. Um, and it was you know it was, it was great. It might still be. This sounds funny considering all the things he's done since, but it might still be his best movie, his most yeah. well-rounded movie. I would which probably agree with that. I well, would say is probably largely in part to the script by James Gunn. I, I I was gonna say yep. like the the one criticism you can mostly have for Zack Snyder movies is the fact that the scripts aren't always that great, but the visuals are fantastic, and you got a good combination in his first two movies of an actual good script, or at least in the case of his second movie, Three Hundred, an actual good story, mm-hmm. and then him just putting those visual flourishes. But to with it. Dawn of the Dead too, that that that's the thing. It was visual flourishes. It wasn't over the top. Yep. Zack Snyder, which is kind of everything he's done since. True. You know, from Three Hundred onward, it's you know a Zack Snyder joint, but it doesn't have a whole lot else going for it. Dawn of the Dead. It was sharp, but he was he was held in check, whether by the studio, the producers, who knows, but he wasn't allowed to just do whatever he wanted yet. Um, so that one was good. Uh, the first Saw movie came out this year. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and again, I would I would defend the first Saw movie as being, while well, kind of a seven ripoff, a good, you know, strong thriller that went down the tubes after they went to two, three, four, five, six. What, what is... There's another one coming out this year, Jigsaw. What is that, Jigsaw the eighth? just... It, the seventh? Eighth or ninth, I believe, yeah. But they're yeah. starting... I never story. saw any of them. The, the first one is worth seeing. It's it's a small movie, um, but ambitious, fairly smart if derivative, and it, it's a good strong movie. And it, it had a big effect. It, it sparked um, a, a lot of you know copycat movies in the horror genre. But uh, but but very good. Um, I I will say um just recently I watched a YouTube video about all of the like the actual storyline that interlinks all six uh, or seven Saw movies. Or eight. And it is the most confusing, batshit crazy thing I've seen ever, probably. Yeah, no, that stands to reason when you when have a villain who dies and then isn't dead and then is dead again, but yep. now I, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, yeah um, nor do I care anymore. Is, yeah. yeah. What, uh, what other really good movies came out this year that didn't make your top ten list? Um, well, I got a, let's go, well, I'm just trying to think, because, like, a lot of these actually did make your guys' top ten. I don't actually want to spoil it. Um, Dodgeball came out this year. Uh, I, Mm -hmm. it kind of was part of that whole, uh, I don't want to say renaissance of that group of people's, um, group of guys' like, uh, comedy careers, like Ben Stiller, uh, Vince Vaughn. Um, it was kind of the introduction of just to Justin Long who we've agreed on another podcast is the poor man's Adam Brody. Um, but you know, it was fun for what it was. Uh, it was very, it was a very physical comedy. Um, uh, if you're into that, but, uh, I remember seeing it in theaters, laughing my butt off with my high school friends. Cause that's when it came out, I was the perfect demographic for it. And, uh, I've watched it since and it, it holds up. Another fun, like kind of dumber comedy that was in my honorable mentions is actually the girl next door. Oh yes, uh, which was mm-hmm. a lot of fun, and like a lot of the, and sadly, a lot of the cast hasn't really done that much since. Is that with uh, Alicia Alicia Cuthbert? Yeah. yeah, and Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch, yeah. yeah. So Emil Hirsch has had a stuff. weird eclectic career. Yes, um, but like 
you were thinking kind of the same thing as like after uh almost famous like oh these yeah. two could they'd go yes. on to do a lot of stuff and then nope neither of them do yeah look at their imdb yeah. and uh yeah the leads the lead in almost famous he was a cop in gone baby gun i think that's the only other thing on his career worth noting yeah well he was in a, a very indie movie called wrist cutters that's actually pretty oh good. okay okay uh, but also another dumb comedy that funny enough has uh marvel comics uh ties later on was a movie called the perfect score which oh, was actually the first movie that chris evans and scarlett johansson were in together interesting um, okay about okay. them trying to steal the answers to the sats Mm. Oh, I vaguely remember that yeah. one too. See, it's now funny that you mention it. I, this also has the first. So, Cellular came out this year, and that was the first Chris Evans movie I ever saw. This yep. was, you know, 2004 is before he was, you know, in Fantastic Four because that's next year. Yep. You know, before he did anything big. But there's this little movie where, you know, a woman's being held hostage in an attic. You know, she has a broken cell phone and and manages to make one outgoing call that happens to reach you know Chris Evans. Okay. And you know, it's 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 a dumb action movie. It's kind of fun. I remember enjoying it. But that was the first time I was like, huh, who is this guy? He doesn't seem like he can act. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, again, well before. It was well, yeah, it was well before. He actually he, proved that he had acting chops, yeah. too. Um, and another one that's in my honorable mentions, just for its ambition alone, uh, was a movie called Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Which oh, it was probably. It's probably overly ambitious. Like trying to do pretty much everything on green screen and doing this retro 40s yet futuristic well i don't i don't know if it was feel. overly ambitious but its ambition was all on the visuals yes and there was no story or plot or character or anything to tie it together and the visuals weren't good enough to carry it yeah uh, but the fact that you had a very good cast you just didn't have much for them to do no or anything for yeah. them to do um, speaking of honorable mentions this was the year that the punisher came out uh. with tom jane <laughs> and don't make that noise at me i love this movie it's not in my top 10 it's not a yeah. great movie it's not a yeah. and it's not even the punisher like the, the the punisher in netflix is is much more accurate to the comics tom jane's version is not but it is so much fun i think it was written and directed by jonathan hensla who had a lot to do with the third really fun Die Hard movie. Um, okay. and, and it kind of shows here, you know, it has that, that sense of fun, which is absolutely not what the Punisher should have. But yeah, I was not a big sour. Punisher fan at the time in terms of the comics, and this, this movie is just delightful. So if you're a fan of the comics, it'll probably make you angry. But yeah. if you're just looking for a good action movie, this is a good yeah. action movie. And Thomas Jane is amazing. In it. He is. Like... He's, he's, he's really good. He's always really good. He doesn't get enough yeah. work or enough, you know, credit for the work that he does. He was even really good in uh, Arrested Development. Yes, he was. The homeless man, which actually turned out to be just Thomas Jane. <laughs> well, life. then, uh, no, correct me if I'm wrong. Neither of your lists, your top tens, have Million Dollar Baby, do they? No, no. neither one. And again, that was a you know strong, very good movie that came out this year. Um, Notebook was this year, which laugh ah. if you want, but I thought that was a really good movie. And it, it was good for what it was. Like, <laughs> put Ryan Gosling on the map. Which is yep. Ryan Gosling, Rachel McAdams yep. too. Rachel McAdams. Um, I would yeah, say Ryan Gosling's a bigger four. star than Rachel McAdams, but that's yeah. just yeah. And, well, but uh, you, for a couple years though, between Mean Girls, The Notebook, yeah. Wedding Crashers, like she had, she was on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She kind of dropped off there after yeah. that, mm -hmm. which was surprising because yeah. she's very, very good. Yeah, she's very good. Um, she's cool. I have one more that I'd like to talk about before we dive into our top tens, if that's cool. I, the Village, Ooh. which again I very much like. I will defend that. I think it was probably the last good Shyamalan movie. 
before he crashed and burned. Um, and it takes a lot of flack because it has a big twist ending. But I think people misunderstand that the twist ending is not really... A, that's not the end of the movie. And B, that's not at the heart of what the movie's about. Yeah. Um, and just terrific film. Didn't quite make my top ten. I was going to say, sell me on The Village because I've never actually seen it because I kind of gave up on M. Night Shyamalan meeting down at that point. I mean, well, why did you give up on him at that point? Because at that point, he, he had done three uh, yeah, you're right. movies. No, um, I was kind of late to the party of the Shyamalan, and um, I just heard that The Village wasn't worth seeing. Um, I would see it and, and make up your own mind. It, it's a very interesting... Treat it as a character piece. Okay. And it's a wonderful character piece with wonderful actors. It has Adrian Brody, um, Bryce Dallas Howard is terrific, William Hurt, Sigourney Weaver. Joaquin um, Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix, that's right. Um, no, everybody's in that a movie. National and, Treasure, uh, by the very, way. very good. Yeah, National Treasure was also this year less good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Seal of Declaration of Independence. What can I say? I I enjoy that movie. I'm not gonna lie. It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. It's fun for yeah. what it is. Dumb. I couldn't stay in Justin Bertha in that movie but though. Fun and it's got I'm Sean Bean. Act- Who doesn't I'm like the Sean? Complete <laughs> opposite. I love Justin Bertha in that movie. Oh he's, boy. Like, yeah. He's just kind of smart assy and I don't, I don't know yeah. I'm not, I don't hate the movie but anyways oh, you sound like you hate the movie jump into our top 10 I'm just gonna um, I'm gonna use this uh, Rachel McAdams segue to um, kind of ne- announce my number 10 Mean Girls um, written and dire- directed by uh, Tina Fey I don't remember if she directed or not I know she wrote it co-wrote it or did she, yeah, she write it solo I think it was mo- like most of her stuff with her uh, with her husband ah Jimmy Fallon, um, and uh, so Mean Girls is back when Lindsay Lohan was um, a normal person, um, oh, and so uh, long ago. Rachel McAdams, Lacey Chabert, uh, now Amanda Seyfried. She's kind of made it bigger. Um, she's kind of gone the the way of Rachel McAdams, um, and other people too. There's another gal who I don't know. I don't want to get Chabert. cut off on names. Um, I already ne- mentioned her. It's oh. the it was the uh, punk rock gal. Who, oh, uh, Lizzie Kaplan. Yes, Lizzie Kaplan, um, who is just charming and fun in every role she's in. And uh, it was really well written because this was back when I could stand Tina Fey. No offense to anybody who still likes her work. Don't look at me. I'm not Tina Fey. Okay. Well, you look like her. Um, I mean, I appreciate that. But... That long hair of yours. Well, shots. Yes, exactly. And yeah, I don't really have a lot to say about that movie. I just liked it. Um, and it was one of the better teen comedies out there. What do you got for number 10, Kyle? My number 10 is uh, one that will come up later on one of your guys' lists, so I'm just going to mention it uh, right now. It is the second movie in the Bourne franchise. I was going to say trilogy, but yeah. then I realized, nope. There's it's, five of there's them now. five of them now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the Bourne Supremacy, and we'll talk about it more it's a, later. It's a good pick. As a, same, same here, uh, not in the Bourne Supremacy, but we'll get to this higher up on you guys' lists. Uh, my number 10 of the year was Spider-Man 2. Ooh, good pick. Uh, so the second entry in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man series. Got yeah. Specify that now because we got three different Spider-Man franchises that have happened. So, yep. uh, yeah. Ain't so I'll jump ahead something. to my number nine, yeah, which I don't nine. think is on either of your lists. Nope. It's all yours. Okay. Uh, so Harry Potter Prisoner of Azkaban. And this, this is kind of a, a surprise one. I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan. That's not my fandom. I'm a Lord of the Rings guy. I, yeah. I don't love the Harry Potter film franchise in general. I thought the first two films were boring as mud. Chris Columbus directed, like, cardboard. Um, But they did a really smart thing with the third movie, which is bringing in Alfonso Cuaron to direct. Yeah. Yeah. uh, 
just breathed so much life into this and and just he kind of rewrote the harry potter universe he redesigned hogwarts he laid it out differently which is a little bit disconcerting but it works so well he makes such a good film that it, it doesn't even matter that much yeah um and you know it's it's different from the book and i think that throws a lot of fans i've heard a lot of people complain about that but he was the first director in this franchise to take the book and say we have to make it a little different to make a movie chris columbus directed page for page and it didn't work alfonso Cuarón said what makes harry potter harry potter and breathed the actual spirit of harry potter into this the best scene in this film and and this is just indicative of how good a director he is there's a scene early on that is just the kids in the dormitory eating candies that make them make noises like animals it is not plot related but it is a scene that lets the characters be the characters and and gets you into the world that they're in Mm -hmm. which is something both before and after this film because this is the only one that he directed unfortunately in the series before and after they forget they try to throw you into the story so quickly that they never let the world be the world yeah because they they almost forget that at this point they're 13 year old kids yeah they're they're kids and they're at a school even just the next film in the series goblet of fire was so tied up in its overarching plot i don't think there were any classroom scenes and this is a story set at a school there there might have been one or two but again they're not important no 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 um so yeah number nine prisoner of azkaban uh love it alfonso Cuarón is a fantastic director who doesn't make enough movies um and this is the best film in the harry potter series but like luckily because of that movie he had enough money to make and yeah. do whatever he yeah. wants for the rest of his career to do gravity and and the weird stuff that he can do um speaking of a kind of more blockbuster movie that allowed a director to do whatever he wanted uh my number nine was hellboy mm, good pick because um, it was guillermo del toro's my first real exposure to him um was through hellboy and now do you think that's what catapult because he had blade 2 before this which was a big you know big studio movie for him they gave him a franchise yeah but like they gave him this like this yeah no that's that's very true that's very true and he did this and the second um, installment and were both him so it was more his franchise and the studio just let him go yeah because it wasn't a enough of a property to be worried about it's like okay right well it was kind of a risk for the studio to it take was, yeah it was a odd movie it was like okay as long as mike magnolia uh, like is okay with it like yeah and he was so go for it but yeah ron perlman as I say, you, can, the, you can't cast better than that yep good old ronnie pearl and then what was your number nine number nine uh is a movie that is much higher in both your all both your guys list uh the incredibles and mm-hmm. um, that's uh, ranking pretty high for me, considering it's a cart, uh, a computer animated well, we cartoon. No, we know movie. all about your kids' movie bias, there, um, Gabe. And, but I watched Prejudice, it. I should say. I'm not gonna lie; I just watched it recently. Um, I'm. I don't know why you would lie about that, but okay. Well, because uh, it took me this long <laughs> to watch it, uh, and uh, I enjoyed it. Weirdly enough, it's not the only animated movie on your list, though. Sort of. Let me let me just take a gander here. Uh, well, okay. 
Well, the, yeah, my my number seven isn't technically animated, but uh, yeah. it's in that same vein. Um, but, uh, but we're getting ahead yeah, of ourselves. Let's yeah. not get ahead yeah. of ourselves. So what's, uh, what's your number eight there, Gabe? My number eight is a movie that came out in... Okay, I'm, I don't know where I was leading into that introduction. Um, <laughs> Wait, last, can I guess? Was it 2004? It was. Yes. And uh, it was starring um, your boy, Joaquin Phoenix, and uh, your boy, John Travolta. And um, it's called Ladder 49. <laughs> And, uh, what has he ever been <laughs> my boy? Well, now he is. Okay. Um, Ladder 49, it is the, um, it's a story based off of firefighters in New York City. Uh, and it starts off with this blazing factory that is, the fire is out of control. And Joaquin Phoenix goes in to save the day. And he gets trapped. This is in the first scene. He gets trapped underneath uh, some rubble. And hence when, and then that's when the movie starts. Um, it is, it takes place. Uh, half during flashbacks, half during real time, and uh, it's heartwarming. It's oh, because it's about a fire. I got it exactly. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> and um, it's got great acting all around. Uh, it's it's fun. It's a fun uh, movie that yeah, surprises. Fun me. is an interesting. It, it, it's a harrowing movie. I it's would say it's a harrowing say. movie. Yeah, and, um, and um, gripping. And gripping. Um, I, I haven't seen it since two thousand and four, yeah. but I remember. I really liked it yeah um you putting it on your list makes me want to go back and rewatch it check it out dude <laughs> i will it's got my boy in it i hear it's got your boy uh walking phoenix and which Kyle's i mean boy. this was really this was kind of where he was breaking onto the scene yeah like what was it one two years ago that he did signs um which oh, was the first movie that... one two years ago from now I'm no, like, that no, was no, a while no, ago from 2004 um <laughs> and yeah no he had had some breakout hits now this yes, was not a did. breakout hit exactly but it was a good feature role for him he also had another breakout. I don't want to say breakout hit, but he also had another starring role in the following year, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, Walking Phoenix. I said it before in a joking kind of manner, but uh, I will actually. Say he's like I won't say he's a national treasure like um, Nicholas like, Cage. Say that but like Walking Phoenix makes a lot of good decisions, um, either with uh, the projects that he chooses or the way that he portrays his characters. Um, I remember a few years ago there was that whole debacle about him going crazy. Um, yeah, up on the show, that was, uh, and it turned out to be a, a role for a movie uh, for a fake documentary that Casey Affleck uh, was making. And um, yeah, I'm not sure that was the best choice. Speaking of good choices, but it was still something that I remember, and uh, it kind of yeah, grabbed everybody's I attention. Remember Jeffrey Dahmer too. Okay, well, national treasure. So, <laughs> what do you got for All right, number here, I'll, eight? I'll give you my number eight, Logan. so you have something to make fun of. You know, and, and get me back because my number eight is uh, iRobot, which yeah. you know you were you were about to take me to task for beforehand, and then you were like, "I'm gonna save it for the podcast." I, so, I will go on record. Why don't saying, you dive right in? Why is this a dumb choice for me to have on my list, Gabe? Because it's got uh, yeah, I thought a so. convoluted plot that I didn't really care for. Um, will Smith at his most boring, um, Shia LaBeouf at his most forgettable. Um, well, this was in the middle of Shia LaBeouf as everybody's sidekick, period. And Oh, um, that's right. I was like, I forgot that he was even in that. Yep, exactly. sidekick like, in iRobot, exactly. sidekick in Constantine, sidekick in Indiana Jones. Like, this was this was his thing. Yeah, yep. this was his thing. Um, and it just, yeah, again, Will Smith had no charisma. The robot himself had no charisma. Um, I just thought it was just a big boring mess. Now, wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, was, was that not the first time that Alan Tudyk played a robot? Or was he not Sonny in that? He was Sonny. He was, what okay. Was he yeah, yeah, yeah. Before that. Um, no, I mean, after that, because he was oh. the robot in Rogue One. 
Um, yes. But no, I, I would completely disagree. A, I think it was maybe not the height of Will Smith's charisma, but you know, I found him fairly charismatic in it. And I think maybe you should give it a rewatch for the plot because it was not a very complicated plot at all. In fact, I feel like they had to go to lengths to make it seem mysterious when there wasn't actually that much mystery. It was a fairly straightforward, fair enough, you know, story. Um, but I, you know, again, it was not a normal top ten for me. It's not an all-time great. This would never crack my top fifty. But it's a very fun movie. Um, Alex Proyas, you know, does a really good job, you know, directing the action sequences. Um, it's it's highly entertaining. Um, it is it is teetering on the edge of good and great. Um, but I really really enjoy it, and I would encourage you to give it an open-minded rewatch. Uh, okay. If, yeah. Okay. If you're putting a gun whoa, to my whoa, head. Well, you don't have to flip me off. And if you're putting a gun to my head and, uh, told me to rewatch the movie, sure I would, but do I have to? There's so many other movies to watch. <laughs> you was, you just said it wouldn't even crack your top 50. Like, I'm not trying to like, uh, so you're only going to watch, you know, top 50 movies. I see. how it Exactly. Is. All right. Enough of our bickering. Kyle, what is your, uh, my number eight is a movie that ends up being very important like in the tooth cinema because it is our directorial debut of matthew vaughn uh it's one of the first first big so like lead role pre-bond and for daniel craig it's a movie called layer cake Uh Um, i've said many times on this podcast about uh Guy Ritchie's two best movies mm-hmm. are Lock, Stock, and Two Smoke and, and Barrel Snatch. and Snatch. And that is the two movies that he had Matthew Vaughn as his producer or on. And then Matthew Vaughn went to go direct himself and has had a quite successful career. I and Guy Ritchie is stuck Vaughn. making the same movie over and over again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whether it's set in medieval times or not, oh. it's the exact same movie. Speaking, actually, you know, it's funny. His, his King Arthur movie might be worse than... Uh, the King oh, Arthur really? movie that came out this year. I don't even know. That's but, uh, oh. oh no, it's it's interesting. Layer Cake is a fun movie, but I feel like Matthew Vaughn hadn't really found his voice as a director. Yeah, he yet. hadn't found it. Like it's it's a literally it's a crime. It's a cocaine dealer getting two assignments from his boss us on basically right when he's about to retire. Right. It feels like Matthew Vaughn making a Guy Ritchie movie yep. instead of Matthew Vaughn making a Matthew Vaughn movie. Yeah, because like his, I mean, even going up later to his second movie, he was the movie called Stardust, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. And oh, that's, that's right, a movie. That is a Matthew Vaughn movie. It is. It like, is. And it, it, it's, a, it's a terrific movie. It has fingerprints all over yep. it. He takes the book and he makes it his own. Yep. Um, yeah, no, he he, and I think yeah. layer cake was necessary for him to find yeah. that. Yeah, that's, um, I that's wouldn't what I was thinking put it too. as high as you do, but yeah, yeah it's an important movie. We're selling on layer cake because I absolutely love Matthew Vaughn. I yeah. love X Men First Class. I love uh, Kingsman. Mm-hmm. I love uh, Kick Ass. Yeah, and yeah, you can see start starts of his style, but like like Logan said, it's kind of a more straightforward story. Sure. Yeah, not too overly flir- too many flourishes. Uh, and then my number seven, complete opposite end of the spectrum, uh, just a stupid teen comedy called Eurotrip. Yay! <laughs> With uh, your buddy Matt Damon while he makes a cameo. Matt Damon case. makes one of the best cameos yes. Matt Damon's ever made. Yes. Um, there's he, a few of them to choose from. There's a few. That's, I was yeah. going to say, I have to go to Entourage for my favorite Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah. His, but, like, yeah, it's such a fun movie. And yeah, this is so 2004 was the year I graduated high school. Yeah. 
So it was just perfect timing for a dumb comedy mm-hmm. like this. But what was your number seven, Gabe? My number seven um, was another comedy, but not a dumb comedy. And it also had a <laughs> it also had an appearance from Matt Damon. It did. <laughs> Team America World Police. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a uh, it's a puppet. Uh, and the well, they're all puppets, but Matt Damon's puppet. All he says is. Matt Damon, <laughs> and it is the funniest thing in the world. Um, and it's by the guys who created South Park, and it's their second feature movie. And they just nail it. They make the entire movie out of pup, um, silhouette puppets and marionettes. Uh, marionettes, sorry. And then uh, they have got gone on record since then of saying they will never work with puppets ever again. Yeah. And like just shortly after like starting to film, they were just miserable beyond belief. And uh, there's a few scenes in there where I'm like. How did they even manage to get the puppets moving at this point? And there's a very um, crossing the line sex scene in that movie. <laughs> a little bit, yes. Uh, and uh, it's just uh, a lot of fun. Um, watch it with an open mind, but also do not do. Uh, yeah, you gotta be the right age to watch this movie. Yeah, um, that's not true. For, it's not for everybody. Um, and funny enough, do you know who uh, was the cinematographer on that movie? Matthew Vaughn. No, not okay. Matthew Vaughn. Uh, Your boy, John Travolta. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was uh, Bill Pope who shot all the Matrix movies oh, wow. as well as uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the what? World. What? Yeah. That's some high roll or high know. right there. That's like, incredible. They have a lot of talent behind the camera. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, what do you got for number seven, Logan? Uh, so I, my number seven is Finding Neverland, and I don't have too much to say because it's been a long time since I saw it, but this was right kind of during the 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 you know Johnny Depp years when he was really good he was doing interesting things yep. and knocking them out of the park before he kind of settled into the you know I'm going to be a little bit weird every time you know role yeah. this was when you know everything he did was different in and and good and interesting um and he plays you know J.M. Barry the writer of Peter Pan but before he's written Peter Pan and kind of you know leading up to and through you know the creation of that and you know it's poignant it's it's sad it's very beautiful it's a very small film it's interesting it was uh directed by mark forster who then goes on to direct the second james bond movie quantum of solace very badly um and you know he's very good in this you know director's chair you know, directing something small and personal yeah Um, finding neverland was a fantastic movie it was uh the the young child peter yep uh was uh, freddie highmore Mm mm-hmm who, who's done know, a lot who's done since, a lot yeah. of yeah um, um, no it's been a long time since I watched it like I said but terrific terrific movie um, yeah good stuff what do you got for number six uh, for number six and I think this may be on your list at various Try points me. Uh, so my number six is Collateral that is on my list but it didn't quite make the top ten gotcha um, that's you, right. you, you just watched it recently not and list. not on Kyle's list okay I would love so to talk about this it is again it's, it's a small movie Yep. Um, it's about a hitman who ends up, you know, uh, being driven around by a cabbie played by Jamie Foxx. Yep. The hitman is Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, and first things first, it's just a great role for both of them. Agreed. So this was, you know, early on in Jamie Foxx's acting career and kind of made me go, hey, this guy in the right movie is really good. And then Tom Cruise gets a lot of hate, which I don't think is entirely fair. No. Um, but this was a very unique role for him. This is his um, first it's villain very, role, I want to say. Maybe his first villain role. I'm not 100% sure. 
but it's very reserved for him. He usually for plays sure. his roles with a lot of energy, especially as yeah. his career has gone on. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he feels like he has something to prove because he's so you know short and nuts. But um, but no, <laughs> this Napoleonic is a very complex, yeah. reserved, in control, and kind of scary performance from him, especially um, the as the hitman, uh, especially the ending. And it actually it into a um, horror movie. A little bit, a little bit. It also has a, a supporting role by Mark Ruffalo, if you'll remember. Yep. Um, again, before he really came on the scene as, you know, a huge star, although he did yep. star in 13 Going on 30, which was also this year. Uh, Mark Ruffalo did. Great movie. But uh, I like it. I like it. It's big with Jennifer Garner. I'm okay with that. It was fun. Yep. But anyway, um, Collateral, very um, good Michael Mann directed it. I was going to say that's my boy. I know boy. you're a big fan of him. That's my boy. Yep. Um, and so we all have our boys. And uh, I will say it didn't quite make my top 10 because um, I didn't, I liked it a lot, but I didn't quite love it at the time. So when I, but, but the more I think about it, the more I let it stew in my mind, the more I kind of appreciate it for once, what, what it is. For one, I am a sucker for movies that take place um, all during one night or one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a certain magic to it. Um, and uh, there's another movie on this, on my top 10 that we'll get to that does take place in one night as well. A series of unfortunate events. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and so I, even though I just re I just watched Collateral for the first time, like, I don't know, a couple months ago, I think I should rewatch it and give it its due because, uh, I really want to love that movie, but it's just on the brink of, of that for me. It's kind of teetering. I think it'll grow on you. I think it's kind of a slow burn. There's a lot to think about. Yep. Um, I think it's a deeper movie than some people give it credit for, just in terms of layers. For sure, for sure. And you were right about Jamie Foxx. Like, I haven't been the, the biggest fan of Jamie Foxx in recent years, uh, just based on the choices that he plays and how he acts. Um, but there could be worse people out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, but this was back when he was still the kid basically um jamie fox who from the jamie fox show what is your number six <laughs> my number six anchorman endlessly quotable a comedy on your top 10 top that 10. is a I shocker kid you not. i know shocker um it is endlessly quotable it has uh, great characters great performances um basically i don't need to go through it um Adam McKay um, was director of this. He was from he was a writer on Saturday Night Live. Actually, he was the head writer for a number of years. Um, he went on to make uh, this movie and then um, and then Ballad uh, Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights, uh, and then Step Brothers, and then as of recent, he did the um, movie about Wall Street, um, Big Short. Oh, Big Short, yeah. Yep. He's actually a very talented director, not only in comedy, but he actually does his research, folks. So, um, and this is uh, just a romp, um, and it came out in uh, in my senior, no, uh, junior year in high school, and so it was, again, I was the perfect demographic for it, and uh, I still can watch it f- to this day and still laugh every time. And then my number six was another comedy, actually. Yay. Uh, but very much more serious tone. It's uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Rock very on. different comedy. Very, very different comedy. Uh, it's Wes Anderson, so it's quirky as hell. Yes, it is. Um, but fantastic performance by Bill Murray. He, uh, Owen Wilson is... like If he could just do movies with Wes Anderson, his career would be so much better. Um, because he's fantastic in all the Wes Anderson movies that he does. I feel I feel that way about a handful of his actors. Yeah. It's like they're they're at their best when they're with him. When they're with him, yeah. <laughs> you said Owen Wilson. 
Yes. I will say uh, I will agree with you. Uh, however, I did see Midnight in Paris recently. Midnight in Paris oh, is he's fantastic. Terrific in Midnight well. in Paris. Even though I hate Woody Allen, that was a very charming yeah. movie. Um, that also uh, Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Um, but we'll get to that in later we will. We episodes. Will. But yeah, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Uh, it was probably, I think, the second Wes Anderson movie I'd seen because I'd seen Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> Um, I one. think I might have seen Rushmore, but I'm not a f- big fan of Rushmore. Rushmore. So this was the second one I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just such a very, it's such a fun movie, mm-hmm. but also has some dark and serious elements to it as well. Well, and also just a fantastic uh, soundtrack with all the David Bowie songs that they used. Love it. I was, uh, you, you said, uh, uh, there's some dark elements to it. I think like a lot of Wes Anderson movies uh, are straight up comedies, but also have darker kind of elements to well, it. I think. Yeah. I think. And again, like this is it. this is where we we differ a little bit in our philosophy of comedy. But for me, that's what makes a good comedy great is having that grounding and you know kind of sometimes darkness, but just True. sometimes yeah. you know reality. We'll we'll get to that with you know one of our you know top films of this year. Yeah. Um, but this this is why you know to me I, I don't like as much as you know you'd sometimes do a movie like Anchorman or or you know comedies of that vein that are hilarious. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Anchorman they're, they're a romp or dodgeball, not, ba- not based in reality at all. No, no, and there, yeah. there's no grounding to them, and I can take that in some doses. But to me, I need a little bit more to make it you know a top ten or a, or a transcendently yeah. great comedy. Yeah. Well, and with with even more dramatic shows as I just. Uh, the new season of Stranger Things mm-hmm. just came out recently well as we were recording this yes. that season is a lot has a lot more humor and yeah. it got me worried because I knew it's like oh it's a lot more humor they're doing a lot more or comedy mm-hmm. that means they're going to go just as dramatic and they did yeah. So it's like they balanced it out, and that's what good storytelling is. Like knowing, yes, you have these levity breaks, but that's because you're going to plunge into these depths of dramatic. Just say we should definitely have an episode or two or where we just talk about Stranger Things. <laughs> what a great show! Yeah. Um, and then Ooh. my <laughs> oh, oh yeah, first right. season's Logan's great. A hater. Yeah. I forgot uh, about that. And then my number five. Uh, much more with with the the franchises and great directors kind of uh it's the second volume of kill bill Aha. um it's very different tone than very the much. first one yes uh but i like both both i like the more western or elements mm-hmm. that are are presented into Kill Bill Volume 2. Now, well, it's I, a little less experimental, a little more straightforward, and yeah. I think it benefited from that. I definitely liked it more than Volume 1. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but the ending kind of... I don't, I don't know. Should I get into spoiler territory? or not? Maybe I'll just talk about it off air. I didn't love where the movie ended up. I, I don't know. It worked for me. Um, again, yeah. you know, without getting into any spoilers, I thought it was kind of prototypical you know it was a little bit of an homage to you know the style of film that he was you know at a lot of points you know referencing yep. um and I, I it worked for me okay well i'll chat off eric because i don't want to spoil anybody because yeah. I, I would recommend it if you haven't seen it 
So what's your number five? My number five. Let's go snake style, and then we'll go Logan after this. Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get get that out of there real quick because uh, we'll definitely somebody's be talking about yeah, that more later. going to be yep. talking about it later on. Um, it was my first introduction to Michael Michelle Gondry. Um, hey, I pronounced it right. Uh, Took you a second, but you were there. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got there eventually. Uh, and uh, it was uh, Jim, one of Jim Carrey's first dramatic roles, uh, and he nails it, mm-hmm. and so does Kate Winslet. And uh, but that's not no surprise there. Uh, and then hey, your buddy Mark Ruffalo's in it too, and Elijah Wood, and Elijah Wood, Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Tom Dunst. Wilkinson. Oh man, great cast, and uh, very different kind of movie. But let's chat about it later on. Yep. Fair enough. Well, five, let's Logan. go with my number five then of the terminal, which uh, this is a the very terminal. forgotten about movie. Um, it's one of Tom Hanks's collaborations with Steven Spielberg, and it's one of my favorite of Spielberg's films. Not my absolute favorite, um, but Tom Hanks basically he he plays a man from a small country in Europe uh, that is war torn, and while he is in the airport here in America to fly back, his country ceases to exist. And so he can't get on a plane, but he also can't leave the airport. Um, so it has it has this very resonant because I mean, there's always turmoil going on, um, and it, it has this very resonant premise because um, you know he's very emotionally you know invested in getting home. Obviously, why can't he leave the airport? So he he basically so I believe it's a visa issue. You know, he had a visa to come here, uh, okay, and okay. then he has to go back, but he can't step gotcha. back onto American soil. Um, so basically it's about him living in the airport. Um, and it's a very personal movie. It's a comedy. I know it does not yeah. sound at first blush like a comedy, but it is very hilarious. But again, it's one of those comedies that has this this poignant and a little bit dark, you know, underlying um, story. Yeah. Um, written, I believe, the, I think the story was worked on, uh, I think he gets story credit but not script credit by Andrew Nichol, who Ooh. is... Early on uh, in his career, he he did Gattaca, which is one ah, of my favorite movies. Yeah. He wrote The Truman Show, oh, which we all love. Yes, um, and he was involved with the story on this. Um, and okay, again, if if you have never seen it, which most people haven't, definitely look it up. Um, sure, very very good forgotten Spielberg movie. The Terminal. Um, what do you got for number four? Let's just keep all right. If we're good. we're doing it that way, keep I have going. my number four is Sideways. Great pick uh, again. It it uh, I didn't crack quite crack my top 10 um but sell me on why it should um lots of wine there's so much wine in this movie it's about wine drinking and who doesn't want to know it's uh it's 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 a, a drama um it's got paul giamatti and thomas hayden church yeah um kind of it could be called sideways the existential crisis movie yeah. if you wanted yeah. Um, but again, it is, and uh, you know, I think I see a pattern here. It's a comedy, I yep. think, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is it's... extremely dry, extremely bleak, kind of depressing. Yeah. Um, but works largely because you watch it, and even if you don't see yourself in those characters, you see I the potential of yourself in those characters, and you go, "Huh, that could be me." Like anybody's life could go that direction. Um, and it, sure. it, it's a movie that'll make you kind of reflective. Yeah, uh, I will say um, I didn't care for Thomas Hayden Church's character at all. I thought he was unlikable. He was, and I think that was the point. Yeah, that, I think well, that yeah. was the point. That, that point well taken, um, but that doesn't make me a 
like his character anymore. Um, he did some despicable things, and he's not that nice to his friends, and blah blah blah. I could go on for days. You know what but, other character uh, I don't like? Loki. You know, he just he's he's not nice to people. Oh, and you know, just, like I he I wish he was nicer to people. Ooh. Wow, okay. Well, that's a completely different type of movie, though. <laughs> because in this, I don't know, I was maybe I was viewing it wrong, but I was thinking in this kind of movie, like Alexander Payne um, painted these characters up in such a positive light, kind of a positive light in the beginning because it's more relatable characters at the beginning. But then during the course of the movie is when Thomas Hayden Church makes some bad decisions. See, I, 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 I agree with the trajectory there, but I think maybe you were viewing it wrong because the way I read it, they're pitted against each other. So you have Paul Giamatti against the backdrop of Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church is is the more dynamic character. He's the louder. He's the more assertive. And, you know, it, it seems like he should be the protagonist. But as you go along, you realize that he is the much worse person. Yeah. yeah. And, and the movie is about that interplay of him and Paul Giamatti and what becomes of Paul Giamatti as he realizes how bad of a person right. Thomas Hayden Church is. And that scene where he uh, drinks the spit uh, bucket was <laughs> was great, so I will give it that. So it, again, it, I didn't dislike this movie at all. I liked it quite well. It's just that's how strong we are that this was um, that it didn't quite make my top. No, that that's fair. Uh, so what took its spot? What's your number four? My number four is uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. So it's a movie, a comedy that takes place all during one night, and uh, it uh, it's very funny. It's very crude. Uh, it's it's. Uh, some people would look at it as juvenile, but I don't think that at all. Um, surprise! Okay, so Dude, Where's My Car came out a couple years before that. This had the same director of it, and um, uh, so as where Dude, Where's My Car was kind of a dumb kind of teen comedy. This took that, but it also added a layer of race to it because the two lead characters was played uh, one was played by um, a Middle Eastern and one was played by uh, an Asian man and they actually dealt with racism throughout the movie and um, I thought that was very good for a comedy to touch on um, especially in today's um, kind of um, culture that we live in and uh, and so but there's a lot of funny bits in this movie uh, it just it's a very quick movie it goes from one scene to the next and I don't think there's a bad part in this movie that I would take out it has a uh, silly concept these guys are trying are just getting off work on a Friday night and uh, one of them has to finish up his work because he's told by his superiors that he has to finish this report otherwise he'll get fired and uh, that's played by uh, um, John Cho and uh, meanwhile Cal, um, Cal Penn, yeah, Cal Penn, Cal Penn. Uh, yep. plays the rambunctious roommate of him of his who just wants to get high all the time and, and he gets hungry and they're both they both get high uh, yeah. And they both are craving White Castle because they saw a commercial on TV, and at which point the plot begins and hilarious uh, hilarity ensues. Uh, ensues. Yeah. Also, um, very popular. Uh, like everybody knew this um, going into it, Neil Neil Patrick Harris kind of uh, takes over as soon as he is on screen, playing himself. Sort of playing himself, playing sort himself. of, yeah, exactly. And this is kind of the beginning of Neil Patrick Harris's renaissance because I believe the creators of How I Met Your Mother saw um, this movie and then decided, based off, of, I believe, uh, yeah. based off well, this performance, it, yeah, because it was just before How I Met Your Mother had yeah. started. So, and then obviously that show kind of uh, rejuvenated his career because he was previously known as Doogie Hauser, and they make plenty of references of that in yeah. uh, Harold and Kumar. Uh, yeah, I give a 
I'm gonna go high on this. I'm gonna go nine out of ten. Um, Whoa! Exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's such it's a dumb movie, but it's like it knows it's dumb. Yes, it's very self aware. It's self aware. I was gonna say it's it's self aware, and there's there's cleverness mixed in. Yes, that makes you you know that kind of elevates it past your typical dumb comedy. Yeah, yeah. like your your extreme skateboarder yes. guys extreme. are you know listening to. Uh, what's the like, band? Like not Blink One Eighty Two. No, it's not those... Blink One Eighty Two. It's the Hold On. Hold on. Uh, Wilson Phillips. Okay. Okay. Song. <laughs> and it's like that's so like yeah these guys who are putting on this false bravado. Yes. yes. Oh, it's such a fun. Yeah. Very well done movie. Um, and so. Yeah, yeah, just check it out. Well, what yeah. do you got for number four, Kyle? Uh, my number four is uh, Before Sunset. It's the second in the before your ongoing, you know, my love ongoing affair with Richard every, every nine years, <laughs> there's there's a Richard Linklater movie that I love. And... Usually because it takes him nine years to shoot it because you know he's waiting <laughs> yes. for his actors to grow up. <laughs> yeah, well, he's either waiting for actors to grow up or it's like, no, we said we'd meet like this time later, <laughs> and it's like, oh, great. Uh, oh, you were serious? We were serious. It's like, oh man, we got to go go around another European city for a night. Great. Oh, um, terrific. Uh, but yeah, it, it catches up with the characters from Before Sunrise nine years later. Or uh, you find out what happened at the conclusion of Before Sunrise is as uh, Jesse, uh, Ethan Hawke's character, is on his book tour in France and stumbles upon and julie delphi's character and they go around and around paris and talk and just chat for two hours yep. that's good uh and my number three i will just mention it because i know it's higher on both your guys's lists or at least one of your guys lists uh that's eternal sunshine of the spotless mind good movie so what's your number three i will go spider-man 2 let me think is that higher on your list nope you, you are the high man. Lower on my list, so I had the that as my, list, number, my number ten. Um, I will say, this movie knocked my socks off in terms of quality. Um, mm-hmm. The directing by Sam Raimi. This was kind of his first. I obviously the first movie was his was uh, was uh, his breakout, but this was kind of the studio stepping back and letting Sam Raimi direct the way the movie that he wanted to. Because there are different elements, like different genres within this movie. Um, there's a scene in the middle of the movie that's straight out of a horror movie. Like like the lights go off and the, the metal arms are starting to attack people and you can only see them by the lights. Like straight, like freaky stuff here. Well, that was, I mean, this was an interesting case of, and granted, the studio gave him Spider-Man with Spider-Man 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But with Spider-Man 2, that horror scene that you're talking about and other elements of the movie was kind of him getting back to his roots. Because, yep. yeah. you know, Sam Raimi is known for horror. Like yeah, that yes. was where he broke out and cut his teeth was with the Evil Dead franchise. Yeah. And bringing elements of that to Spider-Man was really smart. And it was something that the studios would be wise to do more often. The most successful superhero movies that have come out have been when they give a superhero franchise to a really talented director who makes other films. Yep. Yes. Um, you know, you've got Christopher Nolan, you've got, you know, James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy, stuff like that. Um, and mm-hmm. this was this was really the first great superhero movie agreed and i'm trying to keep talking logan (laughs) well like i said first great superhero movie so x-men came out in what 2001 2000 um and that kind of set the stage it was like oh hey superhero movies are happening now they have you know 
these big budgets, you know, and and it, it, it's a thing that's starting to begin. Mm. And then Spider Man came out, yeah. and Spider Man was a very good movie. It was much yep. more polished, but it was still it was goofy and oddball and didn't quite have didn't quite know what its voice was. Mm. And then Spider Man Two came out, and it's still I would say the best Spider Man movie Agreed. to date. I was going to uh, say um, I really liked the villain in this movie, Doc Ock, yes. because um, he's a great villain. He's well established, um, built brilliantly played by uh, Alfred Molina. Well, he doesn't want to take over the world. He has very human. Wants. He does, and so, but okay, so I really like his his character arc because, um, and the like, he turns into this super mega villain because okay, so he starts off as a college professor, and, oh, just a scientist in general, and um, he's a, a good man. He's got a wife. He's got a lot of money um and so he um does this two measures of a good man wife and money wife and money and uh he uh, go does this crazy experiment uh in front of everybody to uh always trying to create a a fusion power reactor thank you thank you and a lot of a lot of warnings from different people saying um if you mess up you're gonna blow up the the city and then he keeps saying like no no i i did all the calculations in my head i remember to carry the one i carried the one exactly and then, sure enough, he has a human error, and he, he messes up. He forgot to carry the one. He forgot to carry the, even though he said he did. So it was, yep. it was a human error on his part that caused him to turn into this horrible villain. And uh, I will say, uh, Kirsten Dunst was kind of unlikable in this movie. I didn't. Uh, I thought she was too whiny. Uh, but then James Franco, back when James Franco was not a <laughs> huge, well, a guy known for being a stoner. I'm sure he was a stoner. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so Spider-Man 2 is in my top five um, comic book movies. Uh, I don't know. I would have to rethink my official ranking on that, but it was, it'll definitely crack my top five. So, uh, Yeah, it's up there. It's probably in my top five superhero movies. Yeah. Definitely top ten, maybe top five. Definitely better than Spider-Man 3, but... Uh, I mean, what isn't? Uh, but it's better uh, than Spider-Man 3. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's the best Spider-Man yes. movie so far. Oh, so. For sure. For and sure. Speaking of, so my number three is also a superhero movie. And now I know, is this higher on either of your lists? No. All right, it's higher. It is. It's higher on Kyle's list. So I'm just going to throw out there that my number three is The Incredibles. And we'll really dive into that one yeah, we'll dive when into we that. get to it on Kyle's list. Because I know we all love that movie. Yeah. Especially Gabe, because he loves kids' movies. You know what? I don't like kids' movies, but I really like this one because it's not really a kids' movie. No, but you know any good it's kids the, movie it, isn't. I, I this has been said before, but I'll just repeat it here. It's the best Fantastic Four movie. So yeah, yeah. There's that. And then my number two, I'm just gonna uh, chat about it. The Born Supremacy. It mm. is the second, um, second in the trilogy of Born. The original <laughs> trilogy. The original trilogy, and then second in the quadrilogy, yep. and now yes. you know, second now in the second in the fiveology. Five, yeah. This is the one that has Carl Urban, um, yep. who, uh, in my opinion, can do no wrong. Um, and so, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, I kind of talked about Born Identity a, co- a couple years ago, and we're going to talk about Born Ult- Ultimatum when that comes out. Uh, basically, this was the middle ground where well, this uh, was the handoff where stuff... Paul Greengrass got yep. the franchise, yep. and after rightfully so. Doug Lyman directed the first movie, and yeah, it was a big step up in directing quality. Mm-hmm. I had issues with the script. I thought the story wasn't even. I thought it but was. It's, it's it's beautifully directed, and and once we get to Born Ultimatum, we'll kind of get to the marriage yeah. of those yeah. two. Yeah, and Supremacy kind of. I mean, there was a little bit of the shaky cam in in um, Born Identity, but it picks up a lot uh, with Paul Greengrass, you know, yeah. directing, and but it picks up a lot, but it also gives it that visual style 
mm-hmm. for Born Supremacy and for the Born franchise going forward. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So what do you got for number two, Logan? Uh, so my number two is this. Either of you is this, so I have Shaun of the Dead. So uh, yeah, um, it, yeah. It it happens to also be my number two. Mine, uh, but it is my number one. Yeah, number one. I, at so. this point, I feel like we have like two or three movies that are just all of our ones and yep, twos. Yep. So let's just start knocking these out. So yep. Shaun of the Dead, Kyle and I's number two, Gabe's number one. Yep. yep. This was the big breakout movie for Edgar Wright for Simon Pegg. For Nick, Nick Frost. Frost, they had yeah. all of them together been working on the TV show Space yep. for several years. You know, this was yep. a, a two uh, two series TV show that they did together. Um, it's it's technically, I think it's a sitcom, um, yeah. but it's a very bizarre sitcom. A bizarre very sitcom. odd. It, it it's probably one of the oddest TV sitcoms. It's up there with Arrested Development, and it's kind of the yeah. same type of odd. You know, yeah. it's very self-aware. It sets up jokes, episodes, if not seasons in advance. It has the self-awareness to do callbacks. It is hilarious, and Shaun of the Dead is that, but even more polished. It yeah, is love it. a zombie rom-com. It's got the um, best. Uh, it's got the best use. To, one of the best uses of a song in yep, movies. Queen yep. with Queen. Yep, don't with stop queen, me now. Don't. Yep. Don't stop me now. Funny enough, I did not uh like it the first time i saw it really i don't know why it It just it didn't connect with me the first time i saw it but like i felt like uh there like i think i might have just been in a bad mood or something so i watched it again and then that's when i connected with it Mm. and it's like oh this is fantastic this is an amazing movie i remember i I worked very hard to seek it out because i had heard about it and it didn't get a wide release because again it was you know it's an overseas movie nobody knows who any of these people are here in america at this point and so I, I managed to track down a theater that was showing it. I was so excited, and it, it did not disappoint. And they, they went on to do, you know, Hot Fuzz and World's End, which are both excellent. This is still my favorite, though, yeah. of the three. Yeah, and uh, obviously for personal reasons, as a redheaded guy with a goatee and short <laughs> hair, I love that I have just a very easy Halloween costume thanks to this movie. <laughs> So yeah, I don't, I don't feel we need to talk too much more yeah. about it. I think everybody's seen it at this point, probably. Yeah. And if you haven't, shame on you. Go watch it. Yeah, go watch it. It's fantastic. Don't shame movie. the audience. Um, well, I have to. Peer pressure is how you get people to do things. <laughs> yeah, if you've seen any of the other Cornetto movies or even Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, mm-hmm. um, you get that tone, and this is where it all came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my number one, as we mentioned earlier, uh, was The Incredibles. Uh, mm-hmm. It is yeah. uh, fantastic. Like like you said, it's a it's the best Fantastic Four movie by far. Uh, but yeah. that's because it focuses on what like the Fantastic Four comic should be focused on, and that's family, yeah. and that's the family dynamic, and characters, and, and motivation, character. yep. and what do they actually want outside of science? Yeah, and, and yeah, like the fact that you have each character's powers are reflections of those characters you know the shy girl wants to be invisible all the over energetic youngster (laughs) or is a speedster or the dad is the kind of powerful while trying to carry the weight of the world on his Mm -hmm. shoulder while the mom's completely flexible in every possible way I loved the character of the mom uh, the most because she was kind of the backbone of that family and uh brilliantly played by holly hunter and i i was gonna say that that character in so many movies becomes one-dimensional yep Yep. often just eye candy and here you're right she really is she's the emotional heart of the movie oh yeah she's the one who holds the family together yeah literally Uh, literally literally. and and, and at many points 
And yeah, because it's like as strong as as Mister Incredible is. Like, she, yeah, she's the one who uses herself literally as a human shield yes. multiple times. Yes. Yep, and to protect her family. And she's encouraging the kids, and she's yeah, she's just a great character. And uh, yeah, no, and I think I think much of the credit for this movie goes to Brad Bird, who yep. is one of my favorite of the Pixar family of directors. Yes. Um, you know, he did. You know, he came to them you know from working on the simpsons for a long time yeah, he directed the, the amazing iron giant which was underappreciated at its time but i think i think it's come around to be kind yeah, of a I cult classic yeah it's kind of um, more called classic status and incredibles was one of two nearly flawless pixar movies that he directed we'll yep. get to the second one later uh, uh how much and, later? um the next year i believe or two years i think it's two years three years from then three years so can 2007 they, they get initials on the, what the title is um r oh robots yeah exactly audience you'll never figure out yeah. what it is just tune in in 2007 yeah Woo-hoo. don't google ratatouille oops oopsie daisy so anyway in my number one yep. uh which we have you know touched on at various points was the eternal sunshine of the smallest mind Yes. Which, uh, you know, Gabe mentioned that it was directed by Michelle Gondry. I did you know, mention one that. of his, you know, big movies um, mm-hmm. written by Charlie Kaufman, um, yeah. which I think Michelle Gondry is great and owes, you know, a lot of the credit for this movie goes to him. But the script by Charlie Kaufman is just wonderful. It's, it's him at his best. It is quirky and odd, but it's also relatable and followable. Um, if he has a foible with some of his other movies is that he gets a little self-indulgent. Yeah. Um, I, I love adaptation, but it's a little bit much sometimes. Uh, Schenectady, New York, same problem. Um, yeah. Eternal Sunshine is him at his best. And... real No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, um, the uh, there's a few stand-up um, parts in this movie, uh, mostly of, of it taking place within a dream. Uh, or memory. I'm well, sorry. I mean, let's let's for those who don't know, the basic premise is Jim Carrey. Um, his character was in a relationship that you know went south um, with Kate Winslet. They broke up. He doesn't want to remember it anymore because he just can't get over it. Mm-hmm. So he goes to this little company that you know will basically take out Erase your, your memory. memories. That yeah. they will go in and delete whatever memories you don't want anymore. Um, so it's kind of a science fiction movie. Um, I would I would call it slipstream because it's set in the here and the now with a little bit of you know science fantasy mixed in and uh a lot of the movie takes place of jim carrey reliving these memories and they're disappearing as he's or they're just kind of melding together as he's going along um one of the most standout uh, scenes in the movie that i thought was when he is it's towards the beginning um when he is trying to get he yells at her in the in her in their apartment and then she storms out and he's trying to drive after her to come to get her her attention and then he pulls over at a at a corner at an intersection and then he gets out of his car and she's stomping away and then she goes off screen and then he gets to the next intersection and then she and then he looks behind him and then she's stomping the other way but like you look down at the corner and it's still the the same corner that she was walking towards but she's walking back back towards his car and it's a different intersection and then he goes back over there sure he sees his car but then like it was just uh, it was amazing how they filmed that because it was all in one take and uh, the fact that they, I don't know how they did it. Like, they had to be a green screen because the intersections kept changing as, every, but the background brick wall kept the same. Like, it's not like they just did a quick set change because that would be impossible. But yeah, I just thought the direction was unique and it, it mm-hmm. was amazing. It was. It, and it, it's been far too long since I've watched it. Yeah. Um, I wish I had more to say about it. I really need to go back and watch it again as highly as I have it ranked. Homework. Um, yes. Homer work. Homer. 
Homer, <laughs> do your Homer impression. Do. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, that is 2004 in a nutshell. Um, and uh, really, really big nutshell. Really big yeah. nutshell. Please uh, subscribe Brazil to nut. us on. Um, we got SoundCloud. We got iTunes. No, we don't have SoundCloud. We don't have SoundCloud anymore. Don't subscribe to we us on there because it we don't have be SoundCloud ever. We, we had SoundCloud for like an episode of character work. <laughs> that was it. That's a, well, I was going to say something about Chance the Rapper is taking down SoundCloud. Just trying to save it. I can't remember. But anyway, um, what about Stitcher? Yeah, Stitcher. All those links are on. Booyah! Yeah. Subscribe on Stitcher. Stitcher. Google Play, a iTunes, or Apple Podcasts now. There we go. And we have to use the appropriate... So if you listen Vinacular. to us and enjoy us, go outside right now and shout really loudly. I love the Be Kind Rewind, Be Kind podcast. Rewind podcast. Five stars out of five stars. Please come subscribe to them on all those things that we just mentioned. Uh, join us next year when we talk about 2005. And uh, we'll see, see you next year. year.